Well, again, we're looking at Proverbs tonight in Proverbs 6 and verses 6 to 11. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Well, this is a very famous proverb. um, uh, The idea of industry. And we know that man was a worker right from the Garden of Eden, wasn't he? God gave him work and he finds his purpose uh, in work, tending the Garden of Eden to the glory of God. We are workers. And uh, that is, you know, work is something that uh, Christians ought to be concerned about. Unemployment is a, a, a concern for Christians. It's, it ought to be something we think about. It ought to be something that we uh, think about when we go to the ballot box because uh, unemployment affects people directly in their souls in terms of who they are. And it's important to a healthy society that people be working. Uh, Just this week, uh, California introduced a bill to move to a four-day work week. Now, some people will clap at that and say, oh, wow, I'd like a four-day work week. And you get paid the same amount. Uh, they, this, this is what they're it's seeking to impose on companies over 500, of over 500 employees. Give your workers a four-day work week, same pay. Well, uh, if you were listening to Albert Moeller this week, Al Moeller was saying, well, the companies are just going to lift up and move like Tesla did to Texas or other companies. Uh, and they're just, the companies are just not going to wear that. But uh, you see this whole mindset. Uh, uh, that that kind of policy move is a direct attack on who we are as people. We are made to work. We're not made to simply lay around or take time off. Uh, We are workers. God made us that way to tend the garden. God is a worker. Jesus says, I work and my Father works until now. And to be made in the image of God is to create is to work, it's to make, it's to do all of these things. And that's why uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about work, about industry, uh, and why the New Testament, in fact, has a lot to say about being busy. Jesus says, work while it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. Paul talks about that those who are Christians ought to work with their hands at all times to have something to give back to those who are in need. Uh, He even talks to slaves. He comes to people who are slaves and say, you have an opportunity to glorify the God who has saved you through your work. So the Bible has a lot to say about work. And as I said, we as Christians ought to be very concerned because that whole idea of four-day work week or that kind of thing will be coming our way Uh, as well. It'll be introduced by some vote-hungry politician who thinks this is a great thing. And many, and that's oftentimes all it is, is a a vote-getter. 
Uh, many young people will go to the ballot box saying, yeah, I want to work four days and get paid for, uh, uh, for, for six and, or five. Uh, and uh, that's, that's just great. But the companies on the other end are, are, are the ones that are going to be paying the price for that. And you can follow up that story uh, if you like. But work is very fundamental to the Christian life. And it's, it forms a part of our concern. Uh, even here on Prince Edward Island, we often pray about um, jobs coming back to Prince Edward Island, cottages, farming, fishing, all of those things. It's not just that we're interested in people making money, and people making a living, but people uh, working, people doing their God-given, uh, fulfilling their God-given mandate to work. And uh, so work in Proverbs has ethical dimensions. Busyness, uh, creating things, uh, working for the glory of God, and, and that has a, a, a moral dimension to it. Um, he talks here about uh, the, the sluggard. He talks about the lazy person, the, the one who is likened unto a slug. That's where the idea of sluggard comes from. It's a that, 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 that small, uh, slimy thing that you see on rocks or pieces of wood. The slug, it doesn't move very fast. It, you might call it lazy. I don't know if it's lazy or not. It just doesn't move. But uh, that, that's what he's likening people to. And, uh, of course, God uses uh, creation. He uses creatures, animals in the Bible all the time to get across a point. Jesus did that quite regularly, didn't he? By saying, consider the lilies of the field and things like that. Job, it says, ask the beasts and they will teach you. The birds of the air and they will tell you. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. The fish of the sea will explain to you. In Isaiah 1, God says to His people, the ox knows its owner and the donkey knows its master's crib. But my people do not know me. He's, he's getting them to look at all these creatures. They know instinctively what they have to do. They know instinctively the voice of their master. The sheep knows the voice of the, the shepherd and so on. Even earlier in Proverbs 1, he says, in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. When you put a net up in front of a bird, the, the, the bird will see it and fly away. In other words, the bird has enough sense to avoid danger. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your Father feeds them. He looks after them. But he says of this creature, the ant, he says, go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Look at her. She's self-motivated. She says, without having any chief officer or any ruler over her, the ant knows instinctively what to do. It's a, a creature that looks forward. Uh, he says, without having any... She, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Isn't that incredible? These ants, these harvester ants and other kinds of ants that uh, are able to... I mean, they're just a little creature that could... You wouldn't even notice them crawling over your body, and yet they have such powerful instincts to prepare for winter and store up. And I was out walking the dog the other day, and I was walking through the woods, and I saw an anthill. And I, the thought struck me as, where are these ants in the, in the cold weather? 
and uh, they, they're worn around on this anthill. Of course, they, they'll come out when it's warmer, but uh, incredible creatures, really. And so this is kind of embedded in the very DNA of the, the creature. That they understand the seasons of life. They understand th that there's a time of, of, of plenty and there, there's a time of, of uh, want and that they have to prepare. That this little creature knows enough to prepare for the seasons when there's not uh, available food. Classic example of this in the Old Testament, of course, is Joseph, isn't it? Joseph uh, was given that uh, interpretation of Pharaoh's dream where the Pharaoh uh, saw uh, these healthy animals, uh, healthy cows, and then uh, cows that were gaunt and thin and so on. And uh, Joseph said to Pharaoh, this says that there's going to be five years of plenty followed by five years of famine. And it's time that we store up in the storehouses all this grain and all this food so that we can prepare ourselves for the time of famine. So the Bible in general, and, and Proverbs here in particular, uh, directs our attention to the ant and all its industry and all its instincts and says that embedded within this ant is the instinct to survive, an instinct to work. And the, he says to, uh, to the, this lazy person, go and consider her ways and be wise. Isn't it wonderful that God teaches us all throughout nature, all throughout the, the uh, natural world. He, can, he contrasts that with the sluggard. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When you will, will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The sluggard, the lazy person, is a captive to leisure. That's all they think about. Sleep and pleasure. Not of work. And that is a wrong way to think, isn't it? If all we think about is when we're going to be finished work and when the time of pleasure and rest comes, we're not thinking in terms of how God made us. If He made us in His image and He made us to be workers, then there ought to be a measure in which we think very clearly about work. To plan that out to get enough rest, to uh, ask God to give us an enjoyment in the things that we are doing. And he, so, so he says to this sluggard, go to the ant. Though, the, though the, the, the sluggard is superior in many ways in terms of their capacity to think and in, in their strength and in their understanding of the natural world, he, in saying this, he's really kind of humiliating the man, isn't he? Go to the ant. <laughs> you who are created in the image of God. You who are the chief among all the creatures that God has made. Go to that little ant that you can barely see and learn from them. Charles Bridges in his commentary on uh, Proverbs says, what a proof of the fall, of the devastating uh, effects of the fall of man into sin 
For the man created in God's image that he should be sent to such an insignificant creature as the ant to be taught by it. We, we, we would bristle, wouldn't we, as somebody who's been in uh, business of some kind or uh, made great achievements in some way to, to go to some, you know, someone who's hardly made any kind of achievements and to go by our boss and say, now go and, and learn from this person. What? I'm a man of achievements. I'm a man of, of great uh, works and people know me and I, I've, I've done a lot in this world and you're asking me to go to this nobody and... Uh, you know, even at that level, we would be insulted. Lots of people would be insulted. But here he's saying, go to one of the smallest of all creatures and learn from that creature. Now that teaches us just how devastating sin is in our lives and how, uh, uh, how important it is for us to learn from what God has set before us. And so he calls the man to go and learn from this, one of the smallest of all creatures. This sluggard is a certain kind of person. We see what he loves. He loves sleep. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands. This is his habit. Just five more minutes. Just a little more time. And, of course, all of that is adding up. All of that adds up. That when this becomes something that one craves all the time, it becomes a habit. It becomes a way of life. Work is no longer the, 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 the important thing. It's sleep that becomes the main thing for the person. And it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a way of approaching life. And when you go to the ballot box, you say, yeah, a four-day work week. I'm all for that. And you'll vote people in who, whose whole agenda is to overthrow the things of God. Proverbs 19, it says, Slothfulness or laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 20, The sluggard does not plow in autumn, and he will not seek at, at harvest. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So, this is the kind of person he is compared to the ant. He's one who makes excuses. Just a little more time. Proverbs 22, it says, the, the, the sluggard says that there is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. He's one who puts off doing God's will because there are all sorts of excuses, all sorts of things arise in their imagination that keep them from doing what they're called to do. Of course, it doesn't extend simply to work, to our 9 to 5 Monday to Friday jobs. It also has to do a lot with our spiritual labors as well. How much emphasis does the Bible put on striving to enter the kingdom of God? Entering in through the straight and narrow way. This is the, the gravest of all 
uh, laziness, is the spiritual uh, uh, inability that people have. The fact that they think that eternal life will be simply handed to them on a, a, a platter. And yet, it becomes all the more egregious when you think of all the opportunities that people have. The ant has no guide, he says here, without having any chief or officer or ruler. And yet, we have our parents or our grandparents, we have friends, we have the Word of God, we have a conscience, we have illustrations all around us every day of people who have, through their lack of industry, have fallen into a desperately impoverished life. The ant has none of these things. He has none of these people to guide and to be over them. And yet we are surrounded. And that's what makes the, the situation so uh, uh, important. Where God is saying to this person who is on the crest of eternal life, He says, look you lazy person. Your soul is in danger. That this, your whole attitude toward work is also being reflected in your attitude in spiritual things. Now, you are so far gone, I want you to go to this small creature and realize that this small creature has more intelligence and has more wisdom than you. She has no overseer. You live under the all-seeing eye of God. None will hold this ant to an account. But the Bible tells us that we all will give an account for the things that we have done. And so the Bible is adamant when it comes to uh, these matters. And of course, he talks there about the ultimate demise of the sluggard if they continue on in the path that they are going. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little, slum, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. All throughout Proverbs, this is a constant refrain. Whether it was looking at adultery, whether it was looking at lack of work, whether it was looking at our temper later on, uh, all of these things find their ultimate destiny in the impoverishment and the destruction of those who do it. And the sluggard is no different here. Proverbs 21 says, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. One person has wisely said that the following the path of least resistance makes rivers and men crooked. That's very wise. Following the path of least resistance. In other words, a, a, a body of water will go in the direction where it finds the least resistance. If it comes up to a rock, it might move this way in sand and it will go this way. 
And it'll go that way for a little while until it comes to another immovable object, and then it'll go. So what you see is a river going in all sorts of different directions. And the person who approaches life that way, doing things that are only easy, doing things that will not compromise their love for sleep and relaxation and pleasure, they end up being not straight, not strong, but crooked and compromised. This is the way of the sluggard. So he says, be wise. Be wise. Learn these lessons. In Proverbs 24, uh, in verse 30, it says this, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it. Again, he's taking life lessons from all that's going on around him, isn't he? Just as we are. To, oh, did you hear about such and such? Well, what happened to him? Oh, he lost, he, you know, he had his truck taken away and lost the house and this, that, and the other. And, uh, well, what, well, he just couldn't get himself out of bed. And we look at that and say, oh, well, no, we learn from that. We say, we, we internalize that. We are warned by it and say, what about myself? Will physical or spiritual poverty fall upon me if I also go through life taking the path of least resistance, loving sleep, rather than seeing who I really am made to be, someone created in the image of God, to work? Then I considered it, I looked and received instruction. And he goes on in the same Proverbs 24, the same as chapter 6. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of a hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This very same words that we find here in Proverbs chapter 6. So the Bible tells us to be wise. Well, where do we go for that wisdom when it comes to work? When it comes to industry? When it comes to being busy for the Lord? We must go to the Gospel first and foremost. And as I said, and that we've, been, we've been thinking about that in our study of Ephesians and Colossians. We go to Jesus Awake, you who sleep, Ephesians 5. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. If the problem with the sluggard is his love for sleep and not defining himself and seeing himself in the right way, the place to go is Christ Himself who awakens us, who gives us new life, who shines upon us, who helps us to see what He has done for us. And through that we are awakened to work, to be busy for God. And that's what you find when you read great biographies of men and women, missionaries who have served God. You know, I, I wish, you know, the, some missionaries would say, I had a thousand lives to give for Christ. And they, they would talk about the there being so much work to do going into the streets of Calcutta or going into some 
far off part of the world and say the, the, the work is so plentiful here. I wish I had more hours, more time in the day. Because they knew that the time was short. They knew that the need was so great. And so we are called to be wise. Be wise in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found in Him in peace. Be Knowing that the time is short, like the ant, it stores up for itself in summer for winter. We too know that the time is short. That there is a day of judgment coming when God will call us all into account. So what do we do? We go to the Lord. We draw upon His grace. We, as Peter says here, we are found in Him in peace without spot and blemish. We look at laziness. Not with humor. But as sinful. We are made to work. We're not made to while away our time on things that ultimately will not do us any good. We're to be suspicious of ourselves when we waste time in that way. So one person says, resist it in all its forms. Bodily laziness. Mental laziness. Spiritual laziness. The indulgence of sleep. Plan your time well. Be employed early in the work for God. That's a big part of it, isn't it? Planning ahead. If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, as some have said. If we don't have those objectives in mind for the day, what, what are my goals? What are my duties? Do I have my day planned out in such a way that I'm working at something, working for God in some way. It may not be in something of a directly spiritual nature. But work in general is a way in which we glorify God. Whatever we're doing, we might be making a birdhouse, but if we're doing it to the glory of God, that is significant. Hebrews 6 says, So that you may not be sluggish, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. To imitate people. To look at other examples. Just as the writer of Proverbs was able to look at a lazy person and receive instruction from them, so too we are told that we are imitators of those who through faith inherit the promises. Look at their lives as an example of industry. Uh, uh, going back to Joseph and people like that. And there's people all around you. To say that person never stops. That person is... Th uh, that They're always working. They're they use their time wisely. The modern entertainment industry is geared to binge watching, isn't it? We'll binge out on this or we'll spend our time doing that. Wasting time. Using our free time for ourselves. And yet, the Bible warns us that we are to be very suspicious about that. that these, that's not to say uh, that we're against free time. 
but simply to be suspicious of our inclinations toward laziness and unproductiveness. And so like the ant, we are to be industrious. We are to store up for ourselves. Paul says to Timothy, storing up a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth does not destroy and rust corrupt. Paul says, be not lagging in diligence, but be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. And that's where, that's where the whole thing turns and hinges on. It's the Lord. It's going to Him. It's the solution for all that the Bible talks about. What is the solution to this problem? The Gospel. Because Jesus has done all of these things, he, Jesus redeems work, doesn't He? That's, that's part of what it is to be made a new creation. As Paul outlines there in Ephesians, he first two chapters of Ephesians, he talks about what Jesus has done. Now, in the last uh, uh, four chapters of Ephesians, he talks about what are the implications then, not only for family and church, but for work. He's taken the curse out of work. And he ought to, it ought to be the same with ourselves. If we are believers, then our whole attitude toward work, whatever we're working at, whether it be our work Monday to Friday, or our seeking to be diligent in spiritual things, in kingdom things, it comes down to what is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So he can go to slaves, as I said at the outset. People who didn't own themselves. They had no rights over their time or over their leisure or anything. They were slaves. And yet Paul can say, you know what, slave? You can glorify God and honor God in your work. Because you're serving the Lord Christ. You're not doing it as people pleasers. But you're serving Christ himself. One person has wisely said that hard work ought to be the normal routine of us who served, serve a carpenter Christ. Or who follow the lead of a tent maker apostle, as was Paul. And who call ourselves children of a father who is still working. I think those are very wise words. And so, he, he enjoins us here that if we feel ourselves going down that direction, if we find ourselves in that way now, where we love sleep, we love our leisure time, and we find that so much of our time, so much of our day is simply being wasted on nothingness, that we go to the ant, we consider her ways, that this small creature, that you could put it on the end of your finger, God has infused into her such wisdom, such industriousness, that she is able even to know instinctively that winter is coming and that she is given the capacity to prepare for that so that even without any help, without any overseer, she is able to lay up and store up for herself in the times of want. 
who have so many opportunities. We have the Word of God. We have the warnings. We say, the Bible says winter is coming. There's a time of want coming. We are surrounded by examples of, uh, of where laziness will take us. Where a lack of industry leads us. We have people around us. We have so many advantages so that we are able to improve on those advantages and work and glorify God uh, in all that we do. Well, let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for your truth. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to really examine our lives. And Lord, the time that we waste in front of the television or in front of the computer or whatever it may be, and Lord, help us to change our attitude when it comes to work and being productive. Whether it's helping someone, whether it's volunteering in some way, whatever we're doing, Lord, help us to be, uh, to be thinking outside the box as to how we might serve you and how we might be industrious. Leaving a, a, a legacy of faithfulness in our lives. Be pleased, O oh God, to continue to bless us and Bless these words to us now in the name of Jesus. Amen.